Welcome to the Peace Over Pieces podcast, hosted by Clara Baldwin. Peace Over Pieces is a nonprofit domestic violence organization creating podcasts with victims while providing donations, hotline information, and resources. If you or anyone you know is in need of financial or emotional assistance related to domestic abuse, please visit our website for contact information. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the next episode. It almost feels weird when I tell my story because I feel like I'm not talking about myself. Everything that happened was so crazy and shocking at the time that now it almost feels like it happened to someone else and not to me. I also know how lucky I am. Um, I am one of the lucky ones because not everybody gets the same sort of ending to their story that I have. I will go back to when I became aware of the abuse. I had been with this person for six years, I would say, just had a baby. He was very, always very, very sexual, had a high sex drive. And I I wasn't really into sex, but I did it for him. It never felt like he was trying to make me enjoy myself or, you know, anything like that. And I met him when I was just turning 20 and he was eight years older than me. So um, he was the older, older man and I felt this sort of, he knows best, you know, but my sexual experience was mainly from him and it didn't feel like it was ever something I really wanted to do. It felt like something that I knew that I had to do to be in a relationship with someone. So he always had this quite a big appetite and it didn't change throughout the relationship. Becoming a mum meant that I was tired more often and that just was not my priority anymore. I had told him at one point at the beginning of our relationship because We were working jobs that meant that we were ships in the night at one point. So I did say to him that when he came home in the morning, he could wake me up. And he did. He used to wake me up. And, you know, we would would have sex and then he'd go to sleep and then I would get up and go to work. And I didn't mind that. I didn't mind um, being woken up. Like, you know, he would actually wake me up. Anyway, we got to have a baby. And I was tired all the time. Um, I was breastfeeding, navigating, being a new mum and didn't want to do anything. He started sort of touching me during the night and I would wake up to, it started with just his hands where I would wake up and he would be penetrating me with his fingers and this was already happening and I would wake up And I told him I didn't like it. I told him, you know, I've told you to wake me up. And he was like, you you are awake. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't awake. And this kind of carried on this argument for, for a while. But he just carried on doing it. And I guess I just maybe thought, well, because I am tired all the time and I keep saying no, you know, that's, that's what he has to do. And then that's how he's waking me up. 
and I would wake up and then and then I would have consensual sex with him. At that point, I felt like I had to. I didn't want to have sex, but I just did because I felt that that was my role as his partner, as his wife. So this carried on. Um, I got pregnant with our second child. Another thing I should add is that I co-slept. So the baby was always in the bed with us um, Mm. up until um, the eldest was one. And then I got pregnant with the second. When the second was born, he immediately started a countdown to six weeks for when we could have sex. This put me on edge. I just didn't feel right about it. There were lots of other things going on in the relationship where he didn't allow me to do things and he didn't help me. I did feel like a single parent a lot of the time. So this countdown really put me on edge. And I remember when the six weeks came and I went to the doctors for the six week check and I asked to go on the the mini pill, um, which then extended it to eight weeks, um, which I knew was going to happen from the first first time. So he was really angry um, about this, having to wait another two weeks. And that's kind of when, after that, it kind of escalated to him um, having sex with me in my sleep. I would wake up and it was already happening. And I have had lots of people go, how how could you sleep through that? I don't know. I I did. Yeah, so this, this carried on. I would say it was at least on a weekly basis that this was happening. And in the morning, I would just be so upset with him and we'd argue and he'd promise that he wouldn't do it again, but he carried on doing it. Eventually... The children were no longer in in the bed and it just carried on. So in the morning I would wake up and I would find that I had slept through the whole thing. The only indication was when I went to the toilet and there would be semen. Sometimes he would shove tissues in between my legs. Um, My knickers would be on the floor, um, things like that. So I would say there there were probably about a handful of times where I actually just slept through the whole thing and didn't wake up but obviously I felt really um there was something wrong I I couldn't put my finger on why I felt the way I felt I knew that there was something wrong I knew that it wasn't right that he wasn't waking me up that he promised to and he just kept on going back to when we were first together saying you told me that I could wake you up and I was like yes I did but you're not waking me up he's like but you are awake and I'm like no I'm not I'm not awake I'm asleep And he just refused to believe that I was asleep. And it was just, it was draining. Um, Just this constant argument. And then it was the coercion to have sex. So he would message me sometimes during the day saying, I want to have sex tonight. So, you know, make sure you're in the mood or things like that. And I would then be thinking about it all day about and just be stressed the fact that I had so much to do, the baby, everything, and the kids. And I didn't want to have sex, but I knew this was coming. And then um, if I said no, then it would just be like uh, lots of saying things to kind of get me to change my mind. And I would just, I would say yes. Sometimes just to get him to leave me alone. Or sometimes I just thought, well, it doesn't really matter what I say anyway, because you're just going to do it when I'm asleep. I kind of got used to to that. It was horrible. It, it wasn't a nice feeling. 
and I would say to him that I felt like a piece of meat. I didn't feel valued. Um, I did tell some people about this. My my sister, I told, and she was always telling me about marital rape. And I would just defend him and say, no, um, it's not like that. It's not, it's not like that. I blame myself. It's, you know, I, I don't have, uh, I'm tired all the time. You know, we were married. I didn't really understand that that could happen in a relationship. So fast forward to around, I think it was 2017, where there was a TV show, Hollyoaks, that had a storyline, an ongoing storyline throughout the year about a boyfriend who was forcing his girlfriend to have sex. It wasn't in sleep or anything like that, but still the storyline resonated with me. And that's when I first really learned about consent. Um, it was a whole storyline about consent. In one of the episodes towards the end, when the character finally realised what, what had been happening to her, they played the uh, tea video at the end of, of Hollyoaks. And that really, really, yeah, it hit me that that was why I felt the way that I'd been feeling, why I'd felt all these feelings of violation and why I was getting so upset because I was being violated. Um, my body was being used and taken without my consent and someone was promising that they would stop doing it and they weren't. I decided to sit him down and talk to him and explain to him about consent. I showed him the tea video. I told him about the Hollyoaks and he was very much like, you're, you're making me out to be a rapist. And I was like, no, I'm not. But what you're doing is wrong. It does have a name. Um, I know what that name is now. And I don't want this happening to me anymore. And maybe for a couple of months, everything was fine and nothing happened. But then he started again. This time, it made me feel even worse because he knew now. It almost felt as if before that, I was almost like, he didn't know. He didn't know what he was doing was wrong. Similarly, I didn't understand what was happening to me and why I felt the way I felt. I defended him in like, he didn't know before. But now he knew, now he knew for sure that I know what consent is. And I have told him, I do not give you consent to use my body during the night when I'm not awake. Um, and I had told him that I, I'd rescinded the invitation that I had given him in the earlier part of the relationship where he could wake me up. I said, if that is what is causing you to keep doing this, then I am rescinding that. So you do not wake me up anymore. I don't want to be woken up during the night for sex at all. That is no longer um, an arrangement with us. So when he started again, that really, really affected me um, because he was now doing it knowingly, if that makes sense. Um, we then got to about 2019 and he found out that my sister and a couple of my friends knew because it, it, was, it was really starting to affect me. It was affecting me mentally. I was struggling. We were arguing a lot about it it was just constant he not only was having sex with me in my sleep 
but he was also doing things like touching me in the night while masturbating in the bed and saying things like, well, I, I'm not, I'm not doing it to you, to you. So that's, that's fine. I'm like, and I was like, you still cannot, you're touching me sexually and I'm telling you to stop. I would wake up and ask him to stop and he would still continue. Um, so again, my body was just being used. So he found out in 2019 about the fact that my friends knew. And I said to him, I got to the point where I'd had enough. I said, look, I, I need, I need to seek some help. I want to get some counselling you know, in the future, but if you do this to me again, then I will call the police. I was never going to call the police, but I just felt I needed to tell him just how serious it was at that point with me, with where my where my head was. We then go into 2020 with lockdown and it just got, it got worse. So he was no longer having intercourse with me during the night because I told him that if he did it, I would call the police. But he just spent the whole time coercing me to have sex, whining like a baby if I said no, and just making me out to be a horrible wife. All of my sexual feelings had just gone. I started to even research asexuality because I thought I was asexual. I hadn't always been a sexual person with him right from the beginning. Like Like I said, there, there were some feelings at the beginning, um, but everything just went. I was numb. It felt like torture during lockdown. Touching me and masturbating just got worse. And he then started talking about ghosts in the house. So he would tell me that the reason he was doing it was to protect me from the ghosts because the ghosts were trying to get to me. It was just really weird I started to think that I was going crazy. We would have conversations and he would tell me that we hadn't had those conversations or things would happen during the night and he would tell me in the morning, like, that didn't happen. That must have been in your head. He would accuse me of playing with myself in my sleep and it wasn't fair that I was doing that and then he couldn't do anything. And he'd wake me up throughout the night, disrupting my sleep accusing me of touching myself, which I wasn't. And I got, I used, this sounds really crass and and I'm sorry, but I would, I literally would be like, smell my, my hands. Like I'm not touching myself. My hands are nowhere near my lower half of my body. I'm sleeping with my hands underneath my head right now. How have I been touching myself? And it it was just getting too much. So I did start to look up. Um, getting some help and getting some counselling. I reached out to a member of his family who told me that I was lying. And I realised at that point, through other various things that happened, that he had been spending a lot of time portraying me to his family as something different. Um, He had been sowing seeds for a very long time and I didn't understand why. And to this day, I still I still don't understand why. When I saw them, no one gave me any indication that anything was wrong. But he was making me out to be basically be an abuser. Um, he told telling his family that I wasn't letting him eat, I wasn't letting him leave the house, even though he left the house whenever he wanted. I never, you know, he just whenever he wanted. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and he was gone, and I would have no idea where he was. 
I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time, so I controlled the, well, not controlled, but I, you know, managed the the finances, the bills, making sure all of these things were things that he was telling his family that I had forced him to do, all without me. I, I had no idea. And messaging his mum saying, she hasn't cooked me dinner. Can I come over to have dinner? When I had cooked dinner and there was a perfectly amazing because I spent so much time cooking um perfectly good dinner but he would come home from work and then tell me that he had to go and help his mum with something and then he'd go for a couple of hours come back um and then he'd say he'd eaten there and I'd be like but I mean your food has been ready since you since you finished work um he'd be like oh that's fine I'll have it for lunch tomorrow but he was telling his mum that He'd come home and I told him there was no dinner. Um, and then he'd go to his mum's to cook, to, for her to cook for him. So little things like this he was doing over this period of time. So when it came to me trying to seek help, they all just thought I was a horrible person and no one believed me. It got to 2021, April, and I told him that I couldn't, live with him anymore. I had contacted the uh, doctors to to get some counselling because I was really struggling and I was struggling with the fact that his family didn't believe me and had almost, some of them had made out that it was okay what he'd been doing. Um, they didn't believe that he, he had done it but still it, it was okay because we were married. So I told him I, I was going to leave. I said I'm going to find my own place. I'm going to move out with the kids. Um, I was very amicable about it. I gave him, like we still live together. I was trying to split things up evenly. And I was very lucky that I got a place. I got a lovely two bedroom house. And even, even the night before I was coming to view the property, he said to me, are you still going to look at that place tomorrow? And I said, yes. And he was like, well, you know, you know, I, you know I'm going to try everything to win you back. You know, I'm going to do things to make things better for us. Um, the night before I was due to to come and look at the property, he left to go to his sister's. Now, from the time I told him I was leaving to um, when I was about to move out, he decided that he was starting a business. And this business was to for our future. So he, even though we were going to be living separately and being separated, we were going to do couples counselling and we were going to reconcile and everything would be would be better. And he was making plans to start a business. And so he started going to a family member's house um, a number of times each week to talk about the business plan. So I thought nothing of it. I just was like, okay. We would have a lot of rows during this time as well because he was not stopping still with touching me, disturbing my sleep, masturbating in the bed and the ghost. And sometimes when this happened, I used to shout a lot when I was upset. He would make me out to be crazy or not listen to me. It felt like the only way to kind of get my way across and he would then call someone and then all they could hear was me shouting. So I, I can understand why from their point of view, I was this horrible person that he'd portrayed me to be. Um, whereas I had tried to protect him throughout the relationship, um, protect all his behaviours, not just with what he was doing to me, but just behaviours overall. Anyway, 
got we got to a couple of days before I was due to move into my new place and policemen turned up to my place of work and I was arrested for coercive control. I spent 14 hours at the police station where they took my phone to download everything off of it. I was very cooperative, gave them everything. I still wasn't really sure what coercive control was. Like I didn't, I didn't understand, but got to be interviewed and I was then thrown questions of how I'd controlled him, financial control. I controlled him going to work or not, um, whether he could leave the house. And I just explained the situation, that this is what he's been doing to me. I am leaving him. I get my keys to my new place in two days. And he'd said that I had threatened that if he ever left me, I would go to the police and say that he had been sexually assaulting me. So he put that in there so that when I then explained, it obviously made it look like I was doing exactly what he said I was going to do. But I explained to them, look, why would I be leaving? If I wanted him to never leave me, why would I be leaving myself? I tried to explain to them about me moving out. Um, but obviously with these things, it's it's a process. And coercive control is a serious crime. So they were just following, you know, what they needed to do. I was released on bail where I couldn't go back to the house where my children were with him. I went to stay with um, a family member until I got the keys to my place and then moved into my place by myself with nothing two days later. Following on from this, within a few days, children's services um, were also involved because of the extent of his fabrications of things. He said, I, you know, I was dangerous. Um, he, that I had threatened him with knives, that I slept with a knife under my pillow, just so many things. So he got a normalization order taken out on me. And he also got a prohibited steps order taken out on me that meant that I could not take my children without his permission. So I didn't see my children for um, almost 60 days at all. Um, and then I had to go to court and it became a a process of where I got like 10 minute phone calls once a week building up and I just didn't understand. I was like, I didn't do anything. Why am I not allowed to see my children? Um, it was also very frustrating because he also was not looking after the children, his family and I were looking after them. I could see this. They were taking them to school, picking them up. He hardly spent any time with the kids and I just I realized at this point that this was all just to do with getting at me two months later the police did not go take any further action against against me during that time I had also then reported him for what he had been doing to me and I had been to my police interview um so he was now under investigation as well it was the worst time of my life having my children taken away from me. Also, the fact that someone desperately, was so desperate to cover up their crimes that they were would happily allow an innocent person to go to prison if, if it had gone his way. That was his goal and his 
with with his fabrications and the plan, the business plan that he had with his family members that he plotted with to have me end up in prison or um, sectioned, I think, was another. There was lots of stuff in the notes I saw from the police reports that had things like my mental health and I had issues and things like that. So they either wanted to get me something to be like I had mental health issues or or basically me go to prison. So that was quite, that was hard to deal with. And then on top of that, having to fight in the family court and I just didn't understand how things like this happen. It was a huge shock. And I then started to read and see that this is happening all the time. And that was scary. I was so oblivious to to this part of abuse. I had heard of abuse, but I didn't know what happened afterwards sometimes. Then dawned on me that the relationship had been abusive in other ways throughout, right from the beginning, from the moment we we met. um, He was actually controlling. He changed my plans to go to London and 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 do some extra studies all changed he he didn't want me to do that so I, I didn't do it he wanted me to move in with his family I moved in with his family I didn't spend Christmas with my family anymore I hardly saw my family anymore so many things that I realize now were done to isolate me but I was very confused because I did have quite a lot of freedom. He didn't stop me from going out and seeing people. Like, I could see my friends. Um, it was very rare that I, I saw my friends, though, but I could see my friends. He never said, you can't do, you can't see your friends, you know? So it, it was this weird thing where he made me feel like I could do all those things, but still there was the control that that was there. It took... A year and a half from me being arrested to me walking out of court with full custody of my children. I didn't think it was going to happen because there was just so much, even though the police investigation had ended, there wasn't a lot of evidence to support my my case against him, even though it was still ongoing and he was still under investigation during the whole family court saga, there was the evidence just, I I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just never taking evidence. So all there was was um, text messages of me, you know, arguing with him and asking him why he did that to me again last night, things like that. And a little bit of my search history, um, where I would search things on the internet, like, is it okay for a husband to have sex with his wife in her sleep? things like that I searched and obviously my disclosures to my friends and my sister who the police got statements from but still I knew that it was very likely that it wouldn't go anywhere because it was just going to be a he said she said sort of situation without any hard evidence to back it up but in 2022 the beginning of the year February March, a friend of his actually came forward to Children's Services and disclosed some things about his care of the children. And at at that point, we were sort of coming to a 50-50 agreement, which seemed really shocking to me considering I was this dangerous person 
who he had said I was. And then suddenly he was suddenly allowing me to have 50-50. It made no sense. And I, it confused me that children's services were not picking up on this, um, that, that the change. Yeah, so a friend of his came forward. And from that moment, things just started to go down downhill for him. The children um, ended up staying with me a lot more. And he then became the judge needed him to prove things. Um, he was asked to do a drug test that he kept on refusing to, to do due to the information that had come from this third party. And um, so many things that I didn't even know. I had no idea that he had been taking drugs while we were, while I lived in the house. I, I was so oblivious to so many things. I had no idea that he was on drugs. I think maybe after another six months after this, we had the final hearing and he didn't turn up. And the judge gave me full custody of my children. A lot of people on his side feel that that wouldn't have happened if he had been there. But that is that is not what the judge indicated when he gave his vote. So I know what happened on that day in, in the family court on that last day. He doesn't because he wasn't there. I know that I can stand and say the judge believed me. Um, and I will never forget his words when he said it and he looked at me and he said, I think this mum has been through enough. And he looked me in the eye and I think that will stay with me for a long time. Throughout this whole process, I have had, I have been through and had therapy. I had an amazing Isva who supported me through the investigation with the police. Wouldn't take it any further against him. And I understand that decision because, yes, if we did go to court and they did charge him, it would just be a, in court. A he said, she said, with no one really having any evidence to back up. So I understand their decision, but I'm so thankful for them for believing in me and for investigating it for as long as they did. Um, they investigated for almost two years, which I'm really thankful for because it, it did make me feel hard for the first time. Um, w when I gave my statement to them, managed to get therapy. Like I said, so I've, I've come a really long way and I am thriving as a single mom. Now, it's been incredibly strange and difficult because I do not see him, I do not interact with him, but I still interact with his family, which is a very odd thing because these people were believed him for a very long time, but they saw quite quickly after I was no longer in the relationship when I had been arrested and, and left, I have found out since that they did see quite quickly who he was, but they still believed that I was this person that he told them I was, this dangerous. So they they did still supported him for a very long time. I just have to be really careful. I'm not as trusting, um, obviously, um, but they are my children's family. So I do allow them to see the children he does not have any contact with the children because he's not allowed to unless it's supervised and none of his family want to supervise. So he doesn't have any contact with them 
physically. He talks to them on the phone and things like that. Um, obviously, they're kids. They they love their dad. They don't know any any different. So I still have to navigate, sort of dealing with him in that sense. But I don't have to see him. I don't have to interact with him, and I do not ever want to. So yeah, that's really my story. I don't really know. It's a it's really difficult because of the children. It's very difficult for me to say. I wish I had done this, or I wish I had done that. Um, if I could go back, this is what I would do. Because if I changed anything, then I wouldn't have my children. So I find it very difficult to to go to do that and talk about what I would do differently. If If there were no children involved, then yes, there would be so many things I could say to someone and be like, um, these are signs or, you know, this this is, you know, but for anyone that's out there who is in a relationship where you, you are with a partner who is doing that to you, then yes, 100%, that is not right. And you need to get out of the relationship I would say to people to be careful, obviously, because he plotted behind my back. I had no idea. And he love-bombed me, told me we were going to get counselling. Um, so when I was arrested, it was I was completely blindsided. So I maybe, maybe I wouldn't tell him. If that could go back, then I would not have told him. I thought I was doing the right thing being amicable and trying to do it properly. I'm also happy to say that um, since being away from him, I realised that I am not asexual. <laughs> I have had the most amazing experiences uh, sexually since him that have surprised me. My mind has been opened. I am living a very different life now of freedom and sexual liberation, which I didn't even think I had in me. And I realise now that it wasn't ever a case that I didn't enjoy sex or intimacy with someone. It was just there was something about him that did not make me feel right even at the beginning of our relationship that made me uncomfortable and or made me not enjoy myself because I, I guess with his attitude towards sex, it was very, it, it was just, it was too much. Um, the way he was, um, almost aggressive and he made me feel like, like I said, like I was just a piece of meat. So I am happy to report that I do have normal sexual feelings and I am I'm free and enjoying life and enjoying experimenting, which has been really good and has been actually really good as part of my healing as well. I talked it through with my therapist just to make sure that I wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't some sort of reaction to being an, um, a victim of sexual abuse. But, you know, I feel very happy with that side of my life which I didn't think I would get again. 
so stand up if it was if this was happening to me now I wouldn't have let it slide like I did 12 years ago so yeah um, I think we're living in a world now where women can stand up for themselves and say no this is it doesn't matter that we're married you do not get access to my body just because we are married if it's happening to you then it, it isn't right it shouldn't be happening thank you for listening to my story and if there are any questions, I am I am happy to answer any questions. I am happy now. I am very lucky um, that I got the help and support that I did. There were some incredibly dark days right at the beginning, especially when I first realised that my children were not coming. I didn't want to be here anymore, but I knew that I had to keep fighting. I had to persevere because I didn't want them to end up with just his family as their family. I didn't want them to grow up and be like them and, and be like him and that be the only influence in their lives. I fought um, and I would do it all over again. Keep fighting. And yeah, thanks for listening.